Hey there, folks. Welcome to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. My name, as always, is Stephen Craig. I am the host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, as you may know, uh, we took off last Thursday. I was in uh, Florida visiting family, and uh, the podcast studio doesn't travel well. Uh, so, <laughs> um, in any case, I do record a lot of them oftentimes in advance, uh, but uh, yeah, last week was uh, a little bit different. Um, so thank you for joining in uh, this week. Uh, I'll try to make it twice as awesome uh, since uh, to make it up for you. Uh, and you might be wondering, you're like, oh, did we, in the interim, did you suddenly switch to new, uh, switch to new intro music? And uh, no. Uh, we'll go back to Rage Against the Machine, but I thought it particularly apropos uh, today to switch to, uh, to switch to the old Eric Clapton Layla, uh, and not just uh, for in perfect honesty uh, because this week's column is about Eric Clapton. Uh, that's uh, exactly why, um, and not because of the intro lick, which, by the way, most people don't know. And, and this is a cool bit of music trivia if you are into. Uh, rock nostalgia, etc. That opening lick is not actually Clapton playing. That's uh, Dwayne Allman, who is the other guitarist on that album. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, Dwayne Allman, one of the truly greatest guitar players of all time in the column. I This week I mentioned how uh, Dwayne was actually uh, ranked uh, by Rolling Stone magazine when they did a few years back. They did a list of the top 100 guitarists of all time. And uh, while Eric Clapton came in number two on that list behind Jimi Hendrix, uh, Dwayne Allman was eighth, and uh, you could make a case uh, that uh, those two should be switched, uh, that Dwayne might just have very well been the second greatest guitarist that ever lived. His uh, life was tragically cut short when he uh, ran his motorcycle into the back of a flatbed truck, but uh, if you are a fan of the Allman Brothers, or even if you're not, uh, go back, listen to the album Eat a Peach, which I reference in this column as well. Uh, he plays on about half of it. Uh, they were in the midst of recording it when uh, when his motorcycle accident happened. Even more so, go back to uh, when he and Dickie Betts were jamming together back in the days when they recorded live at Fillmore East, probably the greatest concert album uh, ever recorded, or certainly a debatable point about that. But it is uh, the whipping post on that, obviously. It's uh, just amazing. Um, in any case, uh, that's, why, uh, that's why we went with Eric Clapton this week, though, is... Uh, that album is uh, that they two of th- those two great guitarists are uh, recorded together uh, is uh, certainly one of the great um, certainly one of the great recordings of all time, and I reference uh, in the piece uh, about just how influential it was for me. Uh, just what a um, a monumental album that was for me. But that's not what this co- week's column about. It, it, this week's column is about uh, the fact that. Um, it is, if you've been following the news recently, you might have noticed uh, that Eric Clapton has uh, taken a fairly strong anti-vax uh, sentiment, um, even bankrolling anti-propaganda, um, anti-vax propaganda, and, and uh, recorded a song with Van Morrison uh, to, to protest uh, what he considered to be uh, government autocratic uh, positions in regards to mass mandates and um, and, and at this point, vaccine mandates has uh, come out and suggested that he will play no venue that uh, does indeed have a vaccine mandate. Um, and it's been f- pretty firm on his stance and uh, even took a uh, photo op recently with a uh, governor from Texas, uh, Governor Abbott, who 
Uh, if you remember back a few weeks ago, I wrote about as a big ch- steaming pile of dog crap uh, after he signed into law the uh, anti-abortion bill there in Texas. So um, in any case, Eric Clapton uh, hardly uh, hardly uh, making the news for the right reasons these days, at least. And uh, what's, uh, what's even worse is that it brings uh, to light a, a past of Eric Clapton, which I think he kind of... Um, escaped a lot of criticism for in the 1970s uh, because of the fact that it was the 1970s and, and it wasn't the, um, the under-a-microscope culture that we're in today. And I guess that's part of what uh, this column is really about, is really more about our culture and where we stand today than uh, Eric Clapton himself. Because if you go back to uh, some of the things that Eric Clapton said about race in the 1970s, they were absolutely abhorrent. I'll read one as I get into the piece, but suffice it to say that uh, he certainly took a very xenophobic and racist uh, viewpoint and perspective. And uh, this week's column is about uh, being able to separate uh, the artist from the art. Do we, um, do we still recognize and appreciate the musical contributions or the artistic contributions of somebody like Eric Clapton, even though his personality and who he was, uh, who he was as a human being might have been deplorable. And the stance that I take, and I think this is, uh, it stands in a line of pieces I've kind of written about in, in regards to cancel culture recently, in part because I think it's so unbelievably important. And, um, you know, I generally find myself on the far left side of uh, the political aisle, and I've tried to stay away from politics for a while. And, um, but I think it's really interesting that uh, this is one issue where, uh, I think uh, liberals are on the wrong side of the equation. And I say this because uh, when we talk about cancel culture, um, there are a whole bunch of uh, really smart, one of the pieces I wrote about it, I, I mentioned the uh, very long uh, letter signed by a number of uh, left-leaning intellectuals, including amongst them Gertrude Stein and um, and Malcolm Gladwell, uh, some real unbelievable uh, Noam Chomsky, uh, some people who you, again, would really think about in regards to liberal politics. And they were concerned about the impact of um, the the far-left woke movement and cancel culture and the effect it's having on society. Now, I, to some degree or another, um, was attempted to write something about Dave Chappelle uh, in the recent controversy about his stand-up. Um, because again, there I think the same to some degree or another, um, the same sort of impact. You know, I was uh, just actually earlier today uh, was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's gay and, and found uh, found the piece incredibly funny. Now he's not trans, but knows a lot of uh, members of the trans community, um, and said uh, that he t- that he too saw that uh, perhaps moving to this idea of canceling people just because we find ourselves offended. Um, is, is a dangerous line. And it's not, um, you know, I had this discussion with my stepmom uh, while I was gone in Florida. I'm not suggesting uh, that Dave Chappelle is losing his freedom of speech. Dave Chappelle had the, has the right to say whatever he wants. He ne- he's not getting arrested for it. The freedom of speech is about criminal prosecution. Um, and I've said this about the same thing when it came to Donald Trump being taken off of Facebook and Twitter. Uh, freedom of speech guarantees you a right to say what you are, want to say without criminal repercussions criminal repercussions it does not guarantee you a platform and people have been confusing that a lot recently um it does not guarantee you a platform so um 
you know, Facebook and Twitter have every damn right to pull Donald Trump off of it. And it's not uh, unlike some of these um, supposed <laughs> constitutionalists who apparently haven't de decided to read the document. It does not guarantee you a platform for doing so. Um, and the freedom of speech does not uh, go all the way to whether or not you're removed from a platform. And so I'm not suggesting um, that David Chappelle is losing his freedom of speech. I'm saying that we're losing our fucking minds by not being able to hear material that might at some point um, provoke and push us and make us think and um, and it might at times offend. And to sit there and say that we have to cancel those people, um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that David Chappelle said by any stretch of the imagination. And, and I, I can understand why some people found it offensive. They just don't listen. Um, but to sit there and suggest that he needs to go off the air and that uh, Netflix needs to go away, um, that we need to silence voices, anything that offends us, um, that that really is a discouraging um, society that I don't think any of us really want to live in. And it's empowered, uh, you know, it's the issue on the right that has empowered the folks, the Trump folks, because they, this is why uh, Trump became such a um, powerful figure in, in, on the right of the party is that there are a lot of folks who see this being told to shut up and um, and being told so, silence for their perspectives, even if you know we might think that they're not enlightened. Um, but they see people like David Chappelle being silenced. They see people uh, like that. You know, the suggestion has even been that the CEO um, of Netflix who aired it uh, should need to step down. And you're like, this is, this is getting to the point where just because something offends somebody, it needs to go away. And, uh, and I think that the right um, rallies around that um, to a degree which, it, it, you know, the whole Dr. Seuss thing. I, I get that Dr. Seuss was, um, you, can put, um, you can put in a disclaimer and suggest hey, there are some racial views here that are, um, that are questionable and to do the same thing with uh, David Chappelle, but to suggest that he should go away or that the people who allowed him and gave him a platform should have to go away. That part of it concerns me. Um, but my, what I, my, this week's piece about Eric Clapton though, is a little bit different than Chappelle because um, the case you can make, it, the thing about the Chappelle thing is that it's the art itself is offensive, right? The actual material that people are viewing, that is um, that is uh, is the basis upon which it's being canceled. But here, it, with the Clapton case, it's not the music. There's nothing, right? Um, none of none of Clapton's songs themselves are racist. In fact, um, as many people who have uh, who have uh, pushed Eric Clapton on his uh, on his racism and his racist views point out. I mean, his music is the music of black people, really. I mean, it's R&B, it's soul, it's, um, you know, it's blues guitar. Uh, he recorded an album with uh, Buddy, you know, with B.B. Uh, King. You know, this is, um, yeah, to suggest that somehow or another uh, that uh, the music itself is the issue is, is, of course, not the case. There's nothing racist about the music. So in this case, it's what if, uh, do we cancel the piece about Clapton it's about separating the art from the artist, right? That perhaps we can still appreciate the art without necessarily respecting the person who created it. And with that, I give you Layla and other assorted racism.
As a music aficionado, I can often recall with utter clarity the moment when I heard a particular album for the first time. There was the idyllic camping trip where I stayed up all night with my high school friends listening to the Allman Brothers eat a peach, or sitting in my mom's living room as she danced vibrantly to Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. But perhaps no album is so etched in my consciousness the way Derek and the Dominoes, Layla, and other assorted love songs is. Nothing should be able to penetrate the both literal and metaphoric cloudiness of upstate New York with any radiating brilliance, but I can still close my eyes and remember that trip to pick up a friend at Syracuse Airport when I listened to that album in its entirety for the first time. A painstakingly beautiful homage to the enduring and unsatiated heartbreak of a love unrequited, Layla and other love, assorted love songs features two rock legends that Rolling Stone magazine labeled as the second, Eric Clapton, and eighth, Dwayne Allman, greatest guitarist of all time. While we may be able to debate whether those rankings might just need to be reversed, there is no questioning the musical virtuosity of both Clapton and Allman and the delicate sadness they conveyed with each and every heart-wrenching note of that album. By the way, again, fun fact about Dwayne Allman, you know that intro to Layla that I played at the beginning of the, uh, beginning of the podcast, that yeah, iconic. Yeah, that that's Dwayne Allman, by the way, not Clapton. Just just for you know, just for your music trivia. Like that maybe the greatest rock rift of all time, Dwayne Allman. Yeah. In any case, uh it is Clapton's tearful slide alongside the melancholy piano solo of Layla that defines the final scene of Goodfellas. It is his voice on Bell Bottom Blues that lets us know what it means to feel true loss. There is reason that it was common in the 1970s to see graffiti suggesting that E.C. is God, but somehow Clapton's legacy and career have all been thrown into question after a series of controversial opinions and a revisitation of his checkered past of racism. It may have faded onto the back burner of musical history over the intervening decades, but make no mistake, Eric Clapton has a history of not just racially insensitive, <clears throat> but downright xenophobic racist remarks. Most infamously, he went off on an alcohol-infused onstage rant in 1976 that made jaw drops even then. Stop Britain from becoming a black colony, he said. Oh, and it gets much, much worse. Get the foreigners out. Get the wogs out. Get the coons out. Keep Britain white. I used to be into dope. Now I'm into racism. It's much heavier, man. Fucking wogs, man. Fucking Saudis taking over London. Bastards wogs. Britain is becoming overcrowded and Enoch will stop it and send them all back. The black wogs and coons and Arabs and fucking Jamaicans and fucking don't belong here. We don't want them here. This is England. This is a white country. We don't want any black wogs and coons living here. We need to make clear to them they are not welcome. England is for white people, man. We are a white country. <laughs> Oh, wow. Ooh, that's some, that's some horrible stuff right there. Enough for you to make you conclude that Clapton is definitely a pretty shitty human. But while Clapton laughed it off soon afterwards as being nothing more than the liquor talking, and the past several, de past several decades seem to have let him get away with it, all of Clapton's past is suddenly coming back to haunt him as he is once again set about making high highly controversial troubling remarks about COVID vaccine efforts around the globe. 
In addition to refusing to play venues with vaccine mandates, he has recorded a song with Van Morrison that takes aim at vaccine efforts and used the profits from that recording to bankroll anti-vax propagandists. To be blunt, Clapton is once again proving to be an often overindulged rock star who has used his platform recklessly and hurtfully, a plague upon his character and decision-making. But should this, as a recent Rolling Stone article suggested, change the way we see his musical career? In that article, David Brown suggests, all of this has left fans grappling with the legacy of a musician who is potentially putting people's lives at risk. But therein lies the issue with the overreach of cancel culture, a glaring inability to separate the person from the accomplishment, the artist from the art. And in the end, it's not just the artist, but those who do so that really pay the price. Make no mistake, I am absolutely appalled by Clayton's Clapton's blatant racism and bigotry. I am saddened to see a brilliant guitarist come out as an advocate for an anti-intellectual movement that is hampering the vaccination movement that would get the global community up and running again. I think it is fair to say that I am not inviting Clapton over for Thanksgiving dinner anytime soon. But what does any of that have to do with the music he's produced? How has his quality and characteristics as a human being altered the art which he has created? I recently listened to that album once again, note for note, and as far as I can tell, not a thing has changed. The sweeping instrumentation, the devout guitar playing, the soulful voice that haunts to the very bone, all of them were still there, just as they always have been. Clapton's subsequent behavior does not and cannot change any of that, and our rush to make ourselves feel morally superior by rejecting anything and everything even possibly offensive we have thrown the proverbial baby of inspiration out with the muddied bathwater of individual human character and behavior. We have become a society that holds our idols and entertainers up to impossible standards, placing them upon pedestals just so that we can knock them back down and invalidate everything they have done. In doing so, we not only deprive ourselves of the enjoyment of what they have produced, independent of the person they may be, but we also establish a standard for morality that no human being, including ourselves, can achieve. No one is perfect. We have all done and said things we regret. Why would musicians or athletes be any different? Ty Cobb may have been a horrible human being. Oh, and trust me, he, he, he was. But he was no less of a baseball player for being so. And it is only when we accept the failings of others that we find a place for accepting them in ourselves. All right, y'all. That is, uh, that's this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. I'm not, uh, I'm not heading out of state or anything, and uh, we'll do it all again. Uh, we will ride off this week into the sunset with the fair, fair, melodic tunes of my good man, John Mayer. And uh, a guy, by the way, who, in addition to being kind of an asshole himself, uh, Clapton did say, Clapton did say he was like probably the greatest like young guitarist living today, like has the genuine chop. So, you you can hate Clapton, but he's a fucking great guitarist. Anyone he, you you should listen when he says that this was the play. All right, y'all. See you next Thursday. Peace out, y'all.